Oh, the daybells. From competency issues to an additional request to sever, as well as questions about the constitutionality of the death penalty, there's been a lot happening in this case. Katie and Christy bring you up to speed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? It's going well. I mean, it it's Monday. It is definitely beginning to look a bit like Christmas. Ooh, or a lot is. like Christmas. Yeah. Lots of snow. Mm-hmm. Lots of snow. Yeah. Yeah. And cold. Gorgeous. And I don't know. I'll take mm-hmm. it. I don't mind yep. it, honestly. There will yep. come a time, probably January, end of January, we'll be we'll we'll be bitching about this, but mm-hmm. right now it's okay. <laughs> right now it looks like it's supposed to at Christmas time at the right. holidays. That's, so that's the thing. When it's supposed to be like this, then it's okay. The problem we have is that the weather has changed here so much from the time we were little kids to now mm-hmm. that it's hard to know even what to expect. You know, I shared a picture to my kids last night of uh it's actually uh close to yellowstone but it's these cars driving down a road that have several feet of snow you know piled up on both sides so it's like a car tunnel yeah and i said this is how teton valley looked when we when i was a little kid yeah and my son said i can't even believe that's true it doesn't look anything like that now and i said that's true a lot has changed but when we were Mm -hmm. little our parents lived on a a pig farm our, our grandparents owned a farm, a pig farm, and we lived down in the hollow in a very mm-hmm. old double wide trailer. Yeah. And when we were kids, uh, when we were really little kids, the snow would get as tall as our house. It would cover the swing set. You could go outside and play and literally walk on top of the swing set. Yeah. And driving down the road was just like that. It was like driving in a, t- in a tunnel. You yeah. couldn't really run off the road because no, <laughs> you just hit snow. But you could get lost in whiteouts uh, mm. easily. Uh, anyway, it was crazy. Yeah, and it's nothing like that now. But that's exactly you know. what it looked like when we were little. Yeah. Well, and it was a big deal because we lived on a private road. Yeah. We had our own um, cat that was a snowplow. Yeah. To plow us out from our house and our grandparents' house and then out mm-hmm. to the highway because the county did not plow us. No, and, and a that lot was of always a little scary did, too. Truly. But a lot of the farmers did have equipment like that and they'd take care of each mm-hmm. other. Yep. After a big snow, everybody would be out in their tractors cleaning up the, the roads and the private roads and making sure everyone was okay and accounted for. It's just what they did. It was yeah. what they had to do. Yeah. Well, our dad worked as a barber. And there were a lot of times in the winter when he could not drive a vehicle back to the house. Mm -hmm. So he would park his vehicle at our great aunt and uncle's house on the highway Mm -hmm. and he would ride a snow machine Mm -hmm. back down to the farm and home. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. So yeah. I wonder our mom was so lonely and bored and hated it up there so much. Um, She came from Vegas. Yeah. Can you imagine coming from Vegas to that ish? I can't. Thinking about it now with little (laughs) kids and. You can't even get out, you know? Yeah, no, cannot imagine. 
Mm-mm. So, you know, we always have a lot of opinions about the weather, and that's probably why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is our Monday episode, and this is a special yeah. update show. Occasionally, we do these where we don't have any segments. We're just on one topic. It's been since July that we did an update on the Daybell Ballow show, uh, show, no, case, Daybell mm-hmm. Ballow case. And we've talked about it a lot in case updates and things, but we like to periodically sum up what's happened since the last time we did a full episode about this, mm-hmm. because there is so much in this case. And so, of course, we're talking about um, Chad Daybell and Lori Ballow Daybell, who are um, a married couple, mm-hmm. we think, who have been charged with the murders of Lori's two children, Tylee Ryan mm-hmm. and J.J. Ballow. No. Yes. Ballow. That's oh, correct. the last yep. names in this case. And then also with the death of Chad's wife, Tammy Daybell. Mm-hmm. And this has been going on for three years now here in our community. Yeah. And so we're going to just start with, you know, if you follow us, if you're on this podcast with us, you know, the lead up to all of it. We're not going to recap the whole beginning, but we're just going to start in July of 2022. The last time we did one of these episodes, we're going to tell you. What's happened since July? What's been happening? Because it's a lot of just court procedural stuff at this point. And but lots of back and forth on that. Yeah. And lots of ups and downs. We're going to have a yeah. trial. We're not going to have a trial. You know, that kind of thing. So we're just going to begin there and move our way all the way up to December of 2022 and give you an idea of where we're at with this really unfathomable situation. So in July, since our last episode, one of the things that happened is that there was a discussion about DNA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this has been very, um, this has been very heated. It's come up several times. I still don't know if it's actually, if the testing has actually been done. There's, yeah, there's no talk that it has, but of course we might Mm -hmm. not know. Because so many things are sealed in this case. And there's a lot of question about the legality of that. Mm-hmm. And how this is all being handled. But what we know is that there are small amounts of DNA. And unfortunately, they're very small, which means that testing will be consumptive. Yeah. And that means that the DNA cannot be retested. So if you test it once, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so no testing has occurred yet because, and maybe it has now, we don't know. But there, the prosecution again requested being able to test hairs on duct tape inside a body bag that was used to transport the remains of JJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, ridge detailer fingerprints on the adhesive side of tape associated with JJ's body. Mm-hmm. Small dark spots on the handles of a shovel and pickaxe that were recovered from the barn in the backyard yeah. uh, that may or may not be blood. Yeah. Uh, swabs. If you're wondering why a pickaxe. Just remember what happened to Tylee. Yes. yes. Uh, swabs of tape areas and swabs from fingernails from JJ's right hand that was that were obtained during his autopsy. So yep. there was a, a whole situation about how to do that in a way that protects the evidence and that is fair to the defense. Because usually what the defense wants to do is after the prosecution has tested it, they want their shot at it. Yeah. Well, there's not going to be a second shot at these. Mm-hmm. There's not enough evidence 
So there was a lot of discussion around an independent lab and the defense attorneys being able to have their own experts physically present or present by Zoom or whatever mm-hmm. to witness the testing mm-hmm. so that they're comfortable that everything was done professionally and you know, yeah. there was no tampering and all that jazz. So we've heard lots of argument about that. And then we've heard nothing. Yep. Which maybe we wouldn't, frankly. Yeah. Um, because this case has not gone to trial yet. The testing may have occurred. Right. Because essentially what the judge said was, yes, the testing can happen. Yes, the defense can have their witness in the room. And yes, the show must go on. Right. But then the Idaho State Lab, the, the state forensic lab in Idaho, uh, in the Boise area, I think in Meridian, said, uh, we don't want to do it. They yeah. said, this is, uh, we don't have the room in our facility to accommodate cameras and extra people. And they acted kind of nervous about it. Like maybe we don't mm-hmm. want to be on the hook for this consumptive DNA. If uh, something happens, we right. don't want to do it. But then the defense came back and said, okay, here's our witness or, or our, uh, here's our expert. Mm-hmm. And he is a professor at Boise state university mm-hmm. who I believe the lab knows well. And they said, Oh, well, if that's who's coming, yeah, we can do it here. That's fine. Yeah. So we still don't know if they did do it there. We mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. I think we're to assume they did because there hasn't mm-hmm. been any more legal yeah. fighting about it. Yeah. But, um, you know, as we've talked about so many times, Idaho doesn't get cases like this. This is very new. Yeah. And we don't have, what do we have? Maybe two crime labs. Like, I think there's one in Northern Idaho and then there's the one in Boise. Yeah. So it's not as though this is like regular day-to-day operations for them. It isn't. Right. So I can see where their hesitancy was, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that at least the expert coming in was someone that they knew and were familiar with and were comfortable mm-hmm. with. Yeah. I think at this point we are to assume that this did in fact occur, or I think that the prosecution would be back in court going, we need this DNA, you mm-hmm. know? Well, I mean, the lawyers that watched this case closely were dumbfounded that that has yeah. not been done yet. That right. technically they should have been, we should be going to trial in four weeks from now. Yeah. And that has not been done, you know? Yeah. So I, I would assume it has too, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, 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 that's something that's taken a really long time. And you would think like DNA evidence, those are smoking guns. Right. It's so, so very important to this case. I, I'll also say that when the, first news of the kids being found uh, came out and that there was a description of how JJ was wrapped uh, in multiple trash bags with duct tape wrapped all the way around his body. We had said all along, there's your DNA. It'll be right there. You, it is impossible to wrap someone or wrap something up in that much duct tape and not have some DNA on it. It's just impossible. Um, However, not have fingerprints. Those things, duct mm -hmm. tape is pretty notorious for that. But the pickaxe, the shovel and JJ's fingernails were all brand new news. Yes. That was stuff we did not know prior that they had. Yep. So every time something like this happens, we get a little bit deeper glimpse into the evidence against Lori and Chad. Yeah. Yeah. So then we roll forward to, oh boy. Um, and we did, uh, we did stream this episode, this, uh, this hearing in one of our episodes, but mm-hmm. they were in court. Lori and her attorneys were in court 
because the attorneys had some concerns about the language in the indictment that came down from the uh, grand jury. And they wanted the judge to go back to the grand jury and ask for clarification mm-hmm. on their language. Because what they'd done is they'd combined some of the things that they were charged with they had combined two different things in the same charge. Uh-huh. And the the one defense attorney particularly, because Lori now has two uh-huh. defense attorneys, and these are defense attorneys who have actually defended death penalty cases before. Yeah, um, It was particularly uh, John Thomas who was concerned about this, particularly one of the counts one and three were labeled like this conspiracy to commit first degree murder and grand theft by deception. Uh And he said that was confusing because what if what you were found guilty of one and not the other? And the judge said, "Eh, I don't think this is confusing as confusing as you (laughs) want it to be. You seem to be the only one who is confused here and did not grant that to, you know, didn't grant permission to go back. In fact, that's exactly what Rob Wood said in his, in his argument. He said, Judge, I'm not confused. You're not confused. I think the only one confused here is Mr. Thomas. Yeah. The judge agreed. Yeah. The judge did agree. So they didn't go back there. He said, it doesn't matter. All of that can be handled when it comes to sentencing, that it's not not as big of a deal as mm-hmm. you know they're making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have seen some pretty interesting things you know, come out of this now that Lori has real attorneys, you know, right. Attorneys that really understand what they're doing versus Mark means who Mm -hmm. basically just (laughs) was bothersome to the court on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. Yeah. But this was the trip to court in which Lori put on quite a show. Oh boy. And court TV, uh, whether they meant to or not, has uh, cost all of us greatly yes. in the way they uh, they were in charge of being the cameras in the uh, room at that point. And they chose to put a camera directly on Lori. Now, to be fair to them, they, they had to submit their uh, schematic for where the cameras were going to go in the courtroom beforehand. And the judge did approve it. Uh, Lori's lawyers were very unhappy and I think that you can see why. Yeah. (laughs) Lori smiled, giggled, laughed, uh, seemed to interact with people who weren't there. Uh, Wore this very juvenile half partial pony on the top of her head. Her Mm -hmm. her hair was weird. She Mm -hmm. looked really not well. Put on quite a show all the way into the police car when she left, looking like she felt like she was a celebrity with the paparazzi in her face with cameras. She was pretty much having the time of her life, unfortunately. People were outraged. There was a moment where uh, her son's name was said, and she flashed one of those uh, winning smiles. And people were furious. She's taking this as a joke. She's not taking it seriously. She actually thinks this is funny. We don't believe that was what was actually happening at all. However, her attorneys came back to the court and said that was terrible, completely unfair. The camera being on her face the whole time made it so that we 
could have uh, had a violation of attorney-client privilege as we were trying to talk to her because they didn't know the camera was on her face the whole time. Um, to be fair, that doesn't seem to have actually happened. But they were pissed. And honestly, mm -hmm. for good reason. The whole time this was happening, we were asking, why is that camera only on Lori's face? We want to mm -hmm. see the whole courtroom. We want to see the judge. We want to see Rob Wood. We want to see everything that's happening. But nearly all of it was just on Lori acting completely bonkers. Because of that, they filed a brief with the court asking to remove all cameras from the courtroom. And that was approved. And that sucks. Yes. That but means their no concern, more live stream. Yeah, no more live stream. And their concern is, of course, that uh, this could be muddying the waters yet again of the jury pool and right. affecting public opinion about Lori because of her behavior. Uh, and it did. It definitely did. It was everywhere. I will admit we showed up at our update show with both of us wearing the same <laughs> because we were like, this does not seem like a person who is well in the head yeah. to it's show true. up at court like mm -hmm. this. So yeah, that that was a that was a rough moment, particularly because live streaming has really been the only way for us to really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could physically attend these hearings. We haven't mm -hmm. because COVID is still very much a thing in our community. Mm -hmm. And it is not being taken particularly seriously, and our vaccination rates are low. And Katie and I are both immune compromised. We have both had COVID before and Multiple really times. cannot risk. Yeah. yeah, you've had it twice. We really cannot risk getting it again. So we have relied on these live streams for our own protection, mm -hmm. but also to share this information with all of you. So we've had to go to new ways of uh, keeping track of what's going on with the case because yeah. of that. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, another thing that has sucked. Here we go. So on September 5th, a news broke, news story broke, that Colby Ryan, Lori's only living child, mm -hmm. uh, had been arrested for sexual assault against his wife in mm -hmm. uh, Maricopa County in Arizona. Mm -hmm. This was right before the release of the Netflix special, Sins of Our Mother, that heavily featured Colby, was released on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like a week before. Yeah, it was right before. And it was, this was, this was rough. You know, we, Colby has taken a lot of scrutiny and a lot of criticism. And, you know, I mean, if he committed these crimes, then he committed these crimes. Right. But we have had some empathy for this kid because he has been through hell. Yeah. Now. I was raised by Lori, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, almost as quickly as those charges happened, they were dropped. Yeah. Like and everybody reported on them and, you know, it was a, a big thing. And then a day or two later, they were gone. Yeah. 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 And we've not heard anything else about that. And we. Right. What we knew that, at the time is that he and his wife were separated. Yes. And that she had, uh, you know, reported that he came over for uh, a, a date, basically. Mm -hmm. And that uh, he had sexually assaulted her. And then, yeah, two days later, the charges were dropped. And yes, not another peep has been uttered 
Mm-hmm. So uh, no, no saying what's going on with that family. Well, and again, we still wish them the best. They have been through a terrible thing. Absolutely. But yes, of course, if, if Colby's out sexually assaulting anybody, he should certainly be held accountable for that. For sure. One of the things that his wife said was, I had no idea it would blow up like this. I had no idea this would become national news immediately. Because yeah. that's the thing. Everything that happens with this case becomes national news immediately. Mm-hmm. We yeah. know that we've been watching it from the very beginning. Yeah. And I think for her, she realized the kind of damage this could do. And maybe she and Colby, you know, came to an understanding. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Those charges went away very quickly. Yeah. So then, of course, the Netflix documentary came out. I will admit I have not watched it. I haven't either. Um. Of, of I've all stayed away from the sensationalism. I didn't watch yeah. the Lifetime movie either. It's I watched it only to report upon it, and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did take that one for the team. I took it's one true. for the team on that. Well, you know, the hard thing about it is that this case is not resolved. This is still an active murder investigation. Mm-hmm. And is it okay to be putting out documentaries and Lifetime movies? about a story that doesn't yet have an ending. I'm not loving it. I haven't all along. Because again, there is a lot of concern, should we say voluminous concern, <laughs> about... Don Pryor's favorite word. About uh, being able to come up with a jury pool that mm-hmm. isn't already deeply immense, uh, immersed in this case. Mm-hmm. It's already been moved to Boise, away from this area where it uh, should have been tried. Mm-hmm. Now they're taking it five hours away because they're trying to get to a cleaner jury pool. Right. But yeah, they're going to have their work cut out for them in uh, mm-hmm. in finding a jury pool that really works. They are. And, you know, there are elements of fiction in every one of the thing, films and documentaries and things that have been produced about this mm-hmm. case. There are elements of fiction. There's conjecture. Mm-hmm. There's assumption. There's sensationalism in them. Yeah. We don't want that. You know what? We don't need any of that. This case is as horrific as you can possibly imagine all on its mm-hmm. own, just yeah. with what we know from the actual facts. Absolutely. But the last thing we want is a mistrial. Right. Or, you know, the, or an appeal to be successful because of all of these, these things. Uh, no. We want these monsters to go away forever and ever and ever. Right. So it is challenging. Mm -hmm. We want ironclad convictions. You know, I mean, we say that as though that we know that they're guilty and we know that they're innocent until proven guilty. But, you know, it's not like there isn't much evidence against them. There's mountains of evidence against them. But definitely we want them to be able to have clean trials that don't have grounds for appeal. Mm-hmm. don't have grounds for being overturned. You know, we, we want their legal rights as protected as possible. Right. Well, so we should all want that. Once. Absolutely. We should mm-hmm. all want anyone who's charged with a crime for all of their rights to be protected and mm-hmm. upheld. We should all want that because if this was your family member or you right. on trial for a crime that you did or didn't commit, you would certainly want your rights to be protected. And we can't mm-hmm. pick and choose. That has to be fair for everyone. That has to be straight across the board for everyone, regardless of what they're accused of, how much evidence is against them, period. 
right. Absolutely. We don't want anything interfering with that. Yeah. And so we will continue to advocate for, you know, whatever the courts feel that they need to do to protect the legal rights of Chad and Lori. Absolutely. We're going to advocate for that. And I know it's not always a very popular opinion, but. Right. And that's not because we are siding with Chad and Lori. It's because we're siding with the law, with what's right. right. Yeah. Right. And we're siding with, um, you know, allowing the system to do its job because in this case it is, it's slow. It's Mm -hmm. frustrating. There have been some major bumps and a lot of that comes from a very small county well, two counties that are trying this case with, you know, not a lot of experience in this kind no. of mayhem. But in the long run, we have to let the justice system do what it's going to do. Be, and I'm not going to say that that's true in every case because it's not. But in no. this case, I do feel that it will prevail. Mm-hmm. So we go from... Um, Colby and the the drama around that. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Oh, so then we go to the media sued to get cameras back into the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And we did watch this hearing. We did live stream it. And unfortunately, they were not successful. And they were not successful, I think, because of the approach that the attorney took in the hearing to make this happen. Yep. This attorney immediately got on the bad side of the judge and stayed on the bad side of the judge the whole time. Mm -hmm. And you could tell from minute one Mm -hmm. that this was not not going well. Yep. He was quite unprepared too. He was. And was not a good orator. Mm -hmm. I mean, his, uh, there were so many, ands and ums and pauses and stops and confusion and and he was disrespectful and he implied that the judge was trying to you know pick on the media and you know Mm -hmm. we've learned we've watched judge Boyce a lot in the last Mm -hmm. few years and we have learned that that kind of attitude does not get too far with him no and and it didn't have to go that way you know no i mean honestly the right of the people is there Mm -hmm. that isn't really what this attorney argued it was more about this is intentional on the part of the courts to you know withhold information from the media and he took a weird tack that Mm -hmm. was the wrong one absolutely and so um you know local and national media kind of banded together on this and um it paid the wrong guy to come into court and and uh represent them yeah definitely did So then we move forward to um, a statement that came out from Larry and um, And Kay. Kay. Larry and Kay Woodcock, who are JJ's grandparents, um, with their concern about why the bodies have still not been released. Children have not been released to their families. They have not been buried. No funerals. None of those things have been able to happen. And that this is a tough one. I mean, I think we all have a lot of empathy for the family and entirely understand why they want to be able to put these children to rest. Yeah. But the courts are not doing that. The prosecution no. is not doing nobody. 
those, these children's bodies have still not been released. And this was an argument that happened back in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and I, I get it. It sucks for the family very much, but I think there's this fear that they send those bodies away and then they are not evidence anymore. Right. Right. And they're just not ready to say that they have everything they need from those autopsies. Right. And really, do they want that? No. No. Nobody wants that. But Kay and Larry are frustrated. This has taken right. ridiculously long. Right. You know, they, they, they're they ready to put this behind them and, and mm-hmm. see justice served. And it just keeps taking longer. It's taken an immense toll on these poor people. It, it and they're has, very yeah. tired of it. But you compare that, contrast that to a current horror playing out here in Idaho, mm-hmm. which is the stabbing death of four students at uh, in Moscow, Idaho, at the University yes. of Idaho. That happened two weeks ago, and those bodies have already been buried, yeah. released to their families nearly immediately. Yeah. Which, honestly, I find super concerning. Mm-hmm. They don't even have a suspect in that case yet. No. And yet their primary evidence, the victims themselves, are in the ground. It's yep. Or really somewhere cremated. Stress. Yeah. It, it's yeah. wild to contra- contrast that case to this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the Dave Vallow case has been handled with extreme amounts of caution at every yeah. turn. And this is definitely another that we see playing mm-hmm. out. But, you know, it, it's so hard to not really feel for the family, too, that this sucks. Yeah. They can't at least just bury their loved ones. So then moving forward, when we hadn't heard from John Pryor on behalf of Chad Daybell for a while. He's been things pretty had, quiet. Things have been pretty quiet, yes. And then... He files several things in a row, one of them being that he, in fact, does want cameras in the courtroom for trial. Now, Uh he waited (laughs) clear until after the media sued the court (laughs) to then come out and try to bring this up again, which seemed extremely unwise on his part, considering the judge's reaction to these things. Mm -hmm. But he also asked for some other things, too. He asked for the trial to be postponed. It was supposed to start in January of 2023. Mm -hmm. He asked for it to be postponed and he asked again for the trial to be severed so that Chad and Lori would not be tried together. That had Mm -hmm. already been ruled on once and he decided to go for that again. The judge immediately shot down the cameras and I'm sure in the back of his head was like, where the hell have you been, dude? We have just had a huge, you know, argument over this and he'd never even responded and then files his own brief. Yep. Um, so that was shot down immediately. Um, then we get the request for a postponement and the request for the severance. And right about that same time, there are whisperings mm-hmm. about Lori's competency. Okay. <laughs> Again. Again. And Which there was should have quite, been after that display in court. Well, there were surprised. real quick. Yeah, I'm sure that's where a lot of it came from. So in the midst of this, Lori's attorneys had asked to have her evaluated again. Then John Pryor asks for severance and he also asks for a postponement. So these are things we're kind of guessing about, but I think that it tracks 
with what's going on is that the judge did not rule on John Pryor's requests other than the cameras in the courtroom until after there had been this evaluation of Lori. Because at this point, if Lori was in fact going back into the state hospital, he would probably have to have considered severing those cases. Yeah. So, you know, of course, we don't know what happened with most of this because this was all behind closed doors because it has to do with Lori's mental health. Mm-hmm. But it comes out that she is, in fact, competent and will mm-hmm. stand trial. But in the midst of that, the judge had suspended the original trial date. Yes. So no trial in January. He hadn't ruled on the severance until there was a hearing about her. <laughs> they were one day apart. They were like two days in a row. Yep. There was a hearing about her uh, competency. And the next day, Pryor again said that it would be very damaging to their defense and the angle they were taking because they were going to bring into court Lori's prior bad acts and all of these things. And this is why he wanted a severance. So those two tr- those two hearings happened back to back. Yeah. Then we hear that, yes, Lori is, in fact, competent to stand trial. Mm-hmm. And we hear that, no. He will not be severed in the trials. However, he did grant a postponement. So there is not a trial date right now. No. We've heard whisperings about March, Mm -hmm. but we don't know. Mr. Pryor wanted to push it back until October of 2023. Yeah. He wants another year. My God, John, what have you been doing? I mean, that is always the question because it's the same (laughs) song over and over again from him that this you know the evidence is mm-hmm. voluminous he needs more time it's just him and the state has all of this help and you know mm-hmm. i mean the reality is is that he doesn't seem to have procured much help for himself mm-hmm. and so he's just constantly bitching but it's kind of like well okay but you you had the same argument six months ago mm-hmm. what have you done in the last six months right you know so, so let's oh, talk a little about Lori and what has happened with her mental health as far as we can see. Yes. So as you know, she spent nine months in a mental health facility here in Idaho, mm-hmm. uh, getting, as we said, spiffed up and ready to come back to court. Yes. So in February, she was back. But before that, there was a hearing uh, with the state hospital because they were going to, they needed some support from the court in being able to forcibly uh, medicate Lori, which means she was unwilling to take her medication. And in order to forcibly medicate, you have to have a judge that says, yep, do it. And the judge, we believe, said, yes, do it. Mm -hmm. A lot of Lori's stuff, uh, you know, there's a little subtlety here and there that we can pick up on, but most of it is behind closed doors because those are her her HIPAA rights. Uh, But Mm -hmm. so we know that there had been uh, or we believe there had been an order in the jail or in the hospital at some point after that first uh, 90 day stay mm-hmm. during the 180 day stay, the second one that uh, they were forcibly medicating. And then Lori got spiffed up and came out of jail or, or came back to jail, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well, since then her mental health has declined and declined and declined. Mm-hmm. That display in court, while many of you felt like she was being a disrespectful bee, she was crazy. She mm-hmm. was she was off her rocker. She was hallucinating. She was mm-hmm. not sure where she was or what she was doing. Yeah. What we've heard from the jail 
is that she has gotten more and more uh, wild ever since, Mm -hmm. uh, filling notebooks upon notebooks of prophecy every day. Uh, All of this wild smiling and laughing and kind of maniacal, you know, behavior that uh, is getting more and more concerning. Mm -hmm. We also know that she's been refusing to be medicated because, again... All the jail can do is give her her meds. If she refuses to take them, cheeks them, spits them out, there's not much they can do about that without a court order. Even then, there's not much the jail can do about that because there's nobody at the jail that is qualified to give her injections. Right. Which is likely how they would force medicate her is give her injectable medication. Yeah. Or liquid and be present Mm -hmm. and force her to swallow it. But uh, honestly, you know. Mm-hmm. injectables are the generally the standard for mm-hmm. forcible medication. So since uh, they have been to court here just recently and ruled her competent, we don't know what orders would have been included in that because of course it's sealed. We suspect that there was some kind of order or, uh, you know, permission from the court to forcibly medicate. Mm-hmm. Clearly Lori can be, rehabilitated you know she can be spiffed up Mm -hmm. as long as she's medicated that is certainly possible it's you know so we believe that's probably what's happening yeah Yeah. they would they would honestly probably have to bring in a nurse Mm -hmm. that could administer that kind of medication the thing is the injectable medications there a lot of them are monthly Mm -hmm. and so it's not like it's at all you have to have a nurse there every single day that's not true they can be monthly or they can be every two weeks or weekly. Like mm-hmm. there's, there are ways to do it that is, that are not a big hardship, but yeah, I mean, the, the this is part of your legal right as an adult that you don't have, that you have the right to not be forcibly medicated unless the courts say, well, in this particular case, mm-hmm. because here's the reality. If Lori is convicted and goes to prison, they will not forcibly medicate her. She nope. could just be wacko then. Um, if she wants to be, that's her choice. But during Mm -hmm. this period, they have the right to forcibly medicate her so that she can be competent to stand trial. Right. Because being competent means that she understands, understands the charges against her and can participate in her own defense. Mm -hmm. And so if she's displaying, uh, tendencies that makes the court feel like she cannot participate in her own defense, and competency, uh, you know, is evaluated from, from mental health professionals and they say, no, she's definitely not uh, capable of that at this time. Then it's back to the hospital and another right. stay. Yeah. So what had happened is around the time that her attorneys asked to have her reevaluated, they also asked for her trial to be suspended mm-hmm. until they knew could yeah. she in fact stand trial. So her case was suspended. Chad's was postponed. So then we totally lose the January trial date, mm-hmm. which for the community and the family is really frustrating because mm-hmm. it was like, we're finally getting there. We're mm-hmm. going to get to a point where this is finally going to go to trial and this is going to be over for the yep. people who are living it every day. Yeah. Uh, so, and then we had another uh, statement from the Woodcocks about ha- how angry and disappointed they are mm-hmm. um, about this situation that yet again, it's getting delayed. Mm-hmm. And yet again, we're still, the Woodcocks have said that they feel like that um, Lori and Chad have more rights than the children did. And 
Yeah. I mean, in a way that is true. Sure. But it is how our legal system works. Yeah. And we have to preserve their rights. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, in every single uh, case like this, in every single murder trial, whatever it is, mm-hmm. every one of us, not just Chad and Murray, but we all have legal rights, constitutional mm-hmm. rights that have to be upheld because if they're mm-hmm. not, that means mistrials and appeals and overturning trial, you know, convictions and things. And mm-hmm. so again, it sucks. It's painful, mm-hmm. but it is the thing that has to happen Yeah. in order for these uh, charges to stand, for mm-hmm. the convictions to stand. Yep. So let's see. We talked about a lot of these things. Oh, and then, you know, probably the most recent thing after all of that came out is that then the judge did come back and say, yeah, we're not severing these trials. They will be tried together. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then just uh, last week, filings from Lori's attorneys yet again. Mm-hmm. And this is something we have heard over and over from John Pryor. We heard it from Mark Means. All of them continuing to accuse the prosecution of not turning over all of the evidence. Yeah. That's a big problem. It's a big concern. And so essentially what it appears that has happened is that the prosecution has given them multiple terabytes of evidence. Five terabytes, I think. Five terabytes. It is an insane amount of information. And said, here you go. This is everything we have. And they're coming back saying... Okay, but what are you actually going to use in court? And the prosecution's saying, we don't have to tell you that. We have to give you everything we have. Here it is. Have fun. And they're saying, no, it's too much. It's too much information. We want to see very specific witness interviews, witness statements. We want to know the where's, the when's, the why's, the how's. We want some very specific information here. And the prosecution's going, we gave it to you. It's all here. But they want them to uh, narrow it down a little bit. And the prosecution continues to say, that's not our responsibility. We have given Mm -hmm. you everything. There's no Brady violation here. We've given you everything you need. You figure it out. And again, the uh, defense is coming back saying, no, you show us exactly where these interviews are that we want to see. You show us everything we want to know. We want it to be summed up. So, for example, there could be a file that has written uh, interviews with certain people and a different file that has uh, the, you know, other information about that and a different file that has a video of that and a different Mm -hmm. file that has the audio of that and a different file that has the details of how this uh, interview happened and who was present. They want it all tied up with a bow. You know, they want it all in one specific spot. This is everything we need to know about this right here right now uh they they feel like that's their right to receive it that way and the prosecution says uh they don't feel like they should have to do that for them we'll see what the judge says yeah that's been an ongoing issue all along it has and you know so far the judge has sided with the prosecution every time Mm -hmm. that all their job is is to turn over the information and it is up to the defense to sort it out Mm -hmm. also the prosecution does not have to tell the defense, what their case is going to be. They do not no. have to say, these are the things we're going to use against your client. 
Right. They, they don't here's have a hundred witnesses that we've spoken to. Yeah. But we don't have to tell you which ones we're going to call. Yeah. They might not even know. Now, I'm going to say they probably do at this point. I mean, I'll bet they on. do. This I mean, was supposed to go to trial in a month. Yeah. I'm sure that they do know, but they don't actually have to tell them. No, they don't. And, you know, I mean, yes, there are three prosecutors on this, two prosecutors' offices with staff. I get mm -hmm. that there's a lot of support. Um, however, you know, Lori's attorneys are public defenders. They have an office with staff as well. Mm -hmm. And then and then you have John Cryer. Right. The Lone Ranger. And the one man band. Yep. You know what what's happened here, I I think, and, and some of this has been um legitimized and some of this is kind of conjecture, but I think what's happened here is that Chad could be deemed indigent at any time. He doesn't oh, have yeah. anything left. John Pryor literally owns his house. Mm -hmm. it, it's his name is on the deed. Like he doesn't have yeah. anything. So his name they, is the only name on the deed to yes. Chad's house. So they could have him declared indigent, which would give him a criminal defense attorney who is a public defender who is experienced in trying death penalty cases. And then John Pryor could stay on as second chair. Mm -hmm. But if that were to happen, John Pryor would not be first chair because mm -hmm. he is not a death penalty certified attorney. Yeah. And so Pryor continues to just hang on tightly to Fame, glory, notoriety, I don't know. That and payment, the house, yeah. Right. Well, even then, I'll bet that house is his and either way. I mean, he's been presenting, mm -hmm. he's been defending Chad for a long time now. Right. But so far, they have refused to do that, which means that it is up to Pryor on his own to have the resources to go through all of this evidence. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I think he's being really stubborn, and I think so is Chad. Mm -hmm. I think it's really stupid to think that Pryor is going to be able to go yep. forward with this. And it is, a, it's a concern. It is a, an, a concern for later appeals for him having inadequate counsel. Mm, I mean, it is, except for that he's chosen it. He it's has. like the state uh, gave him this attorney. Right. You know, he's paying for it privately, which means he said it's okay. Right. He did. However. It also means Pryor will have to pay for uh, expert witnesses were yep. he to call any. You know, he that yeah. guy from Boise State that's uh overseeing for the defense, the uh the uh consumptive DNA mm -hmm. prior will have to pay for Chad's portion of that uh bill. Right. I mean, there's a lot that he will have to pay for in order to uh try this case that mm -hmm. yeah, he doesn't seem to be getting paid for. Mm -hmm. I did wonder, and we we have no idea what's what the arrangement is, but Chad's kids are still living in that house. Yeah. And so Insanely are they paying so. rent to Pryor? Right. Uh, because not only, you know, because there's other things that you have to consider. I mean, the taxes have to be paid. The uh, insurance has to be paid. There's, you know, mortgage there's Mortgage if there is things. one. Right. I, I think there's not a mortgage. I think we decided that was paid off with life insurance money. Uh, okay. uh, we think, we think. Uh, but yes, there's there's certainly bills attached to the house. So who's paying those? Mm -hmm. Are they paying rent to prior to be able to live in this house right now? Right. We don't know. It's really, truly probably none of our business, but it's, it's an interesting consideration. Well, attorneys really that have looked at this setup. case, well, yeah, attorneys that have looked at this case are dumbfounded. They've never heard of 
putting the name or, you know, a client's house in their own name to, uh, to preserve it for quite a while. Tammy's name was on the deed alongside of Pryor's, mm -hmm. which really puzzled people. Now, finally, Tammy's name is off and it's just Pryor's. It's an interesting situation. Really interesting. It is. It is. But going forward, I mean, is Pryor really thinking he's going to carry this all the way through? And I mean, could they bring another attorney in at this point? That's had no experience with this case leading up to now? I mean, at this point, it appears that he's going to try to do this on his own, mm -hmm. which is really concerning because that mm -hmm. could be grounds for appeal later. Mm -hmm. It's and crazy. It is. It is. But that's that's where we're at with that. But then the the last thing that has been going on with Lori is that her attorneys are challenging the constitutionality of the death penalty. Yes. Which particularly is it's very timely. We've mm -hmm. talked about this a ton on the show, but there are so many failed executions, mm -hmm. problematic executions that have occurred throughout the state, the country mm -hmm. for um, uh, you know, the, the drugs, they just don't, they don't work like they used to, mm -hmm. or you can't get them at all. We've talked about the Gerald Pizzuto, Pizzuto case here in Idaho. Um, mm -hmm. He was given another death date of December 15th, even though the guy's dying in prison. Mm -hmm. And that's now been vacated because Idaho does not have the drugs to carry out mm -hmm. this execution. No. So it's interesting, but Lori's attorneys are taking mm -hmm. this opportunity to yet again challenge the, the death penalty of the death penalty. Yep. And it's not even for, it's not for the reasons that you would think. It's not no. because of Lori's mental health. It's mm -hmm. not because of the availability of drugs. It's because of the way the jury handles cases that have been declared death penalty cases. Yeah. That the juries are not instructed correctly. That the juries uh, perhaps uh, have their, uh, the, their bias is painted because of it being a death penalty case before mm -hmm. the case ever starts, right. that that shouldn't be a part of uh, their consideration. Basically mm -hmm. what they're saying is that when it is a death penalty case, juries end up not considering is this person innocent or guilty throughout the course of the trial, but does this person deserve to die for this? As in, if it's a death penalty case, statistically, juries are going into it believing that the person is guilty before the trial even begins. There's a form, or, or not a form, well, it is a form, I guess. It's a questionnaire and a, a series of uh, questions and things that happen with jurors that are chosen for them to be certified, death penalty certified, when a trial starts. Mm-hmm. And they had already filed a couple of months ago to not death penalty certify the jury right. because of this very bias. Mm. And now they're saying, you know what, actually, screw this. This is not constitutional. And here's the reasons why. The mm. brief that they filed was over 60 pages long. Yeah, I read a bulk of it. It is really interesting. They make a compelling argument. Mm -hmm. Why now? Why this case? Well, 
because it's high profile, you know, right. and it's, it's, it's interesting that they've chosen this as their moment, you know, mm-hmm. to argue it. But both of these men are death penalty certified. They've been mm-hmm. around the block with the death penalty a few times here. So right. I'm really interested in what they're doing with this. Really, mm-hmm. really interested. And also the arguments that they brought are things that I had never considered. Uh, but again, well-backed, um, there's a certain case that they're citing throughout most of it, um, as well as others. But it's interesting. To mm-hmm. really interesting to see where they'll go from here with that specific argument. Yeah, it, it really is. And is that going to slow this down even further? It, it may. You know, because if they get shot down, they may appeal higher and higher and higher. I mm-hmm. mean, this has gone before the Supreme Court before. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting thing mm-hmm. to because I I. Th- I feel that very much that if, if Mm -hmm. a case has already been determined to be death penalty eligible, that instantly creates bias in the jury. Mm -hmm. They're right about that. They're right about that. Sure. You know, and I have, I have been on the fence about the death penalty for a long time and I am now fully against the death penalty. I don't think that it is the way that a civilized society should be handling criminals. And if we, you know, it, it, I always take it back to it's like hitting your kids to teach them not to hit. Yep. Or biting your kids to teach them not to bite. Yep. Right. Yeah. So we're going to murder people to teach them not to murder. Like that that doesn't make sense and it doesn't have the effect in in society that you think it would. It also clogs the courts up for decades, literally decades with appeals. It costs billions and billions of dollars, Mm -hmm. the appeals around death penalty, because there's so many, they're allowed so many appeals. Yeah, because there's always that fear in the back of your head that you're going to execute an innocent person, mm-hmm. and it has happened, and mm-hmm. it's probably happened way more than we even know. Absolutely. So, well, especially you know, because with uh, the you know the current advent of DNA and genealogical DNA and all of the DNA work that's happening, mm-hmm. we're seeing people released from prison on a monthly that have yeah. been there for decades, and and that yes. may have been on the death or yeah, may have been on death of the bro that have now been exonerated because of DNA. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to consider here, but that throws a major monkey wrench in the works. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have to see mm-hmm. where that goes, you know, and, and how that's going to impact the scheduling of the trial, the new yep. trial date. Are they going to have to review this and, and resolve it before that can happen? That's a big question. Well, certainly. They can't, they really can't move forward yeah. with anything, really. Uh, well, no, you know, in consideration of a jury. Yeah. Right. So that's where we're at. We felt like, you know, <laughs> we, we know where we're at, um, but we realized that you don't always hear our update shows and it's always just little snippets here and there. And so we feel like every six months or so, we need to just sit down and say, okay, since the last time we did a full episode on this, where are we now? Because if not, many of our listeners are missing information. Uh You know, we're lucky to be local. Our local news covers this very heavily, you know, so we get immediate information when things change. So we thought it was time to uh, share that information with you all again. Uh For sure. Well, this is our Monday episode. We'll be back Tuesday and Wednesday with 
other great episodes. Lots of stuff yeah. happening right now. We have a lot of stories to tell. Yes. And we will be back with those. And of course, we'll be back with our uh, live case updates live stream on Wednesday night as well. It is at 7 p.m. Mountain uh, on our YouTube channel and on our Facebook group. Uh, you can join us in either place or, of course, we do post it after the fact if you're not able to listen live. And we do appreciate you. Please be sure to like, subscribe, share, comment. Helps us grow. Uh, check us out over on Patreon. We're True Crime Squad on Patreon. We do mm -hmm. two extra episodes a month just for our patrons. For a nominal fee, you get extra content. And it also helps to support us in continuing to do the work that we do. Absolutely. Yeah, you know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Take care. Mm -hmm. Thank <music> you.